I'm Ginger. And I'm Dutch. I love Boston Krebs. He's one of my favorite players in the draft. Boston Krebs is an absolute beast of a player. This is NHL draft season. Big rangy forward with great hands. Racing for the loose puck is Krebs. Krebs goes wide. Backhand to forehand. Beautiful goal. <laughs> Who'd that remind you of? That is a highlight reel goal, but look at this play. Look at the patience. Quickly to Krebs shot. What a bullet. That was incredible. You're going to see a lot more of that. Every NHL team loves those big players who play big and can produce offensively. Beautiful, beautiful yeah. play by Lawson Krauss. All right, folks. Welcome back to another episode of Ginger and Dutch on the Ginger and Dutch podcast. We're going to bring Dutch in right off the hop here. How We're, we doing? How we doing? I'm uh, looking forward to another episode. Uh, Fall Classic starts tonight. It does indeed. Another championship will be completed and will be handed out. And I know everybody's talking about it. Tampa, LA, you know what? We had the Lakers winning the NBA championship. We had Tampa winning hockey. They're stealing all the thunder right now. It's been all over the, the sports uh, talk the last couple of days. So we're going to have a winner one way or another. Um, huge, huge thank you to everybody that's been uh, listening this past week. We uh, we had a record-breaking uh, week with our uh, our interview with uh, Mr. Kevin Pango. So thanks to everyone for listening. And uh, we have another great special guest today. Yeah, awesome special guest. Fresh off NHL free agency last week. Some big names moving around. But this young fella's locked in on a contract. And he's rock steady with the Arizona Coyotes after coming out. In the 2015 draft, let's cut over to our interview with Mr. Lawson Krause. Let's do it. All right, listeners, uh, we're proud to have on and excited to have on the 11th overall draft pick in the 2015 draft. The best thing to come out of Mount Bridges, wherever it is. Kingston Frontenac star, 2015-16 World Junior, 2015 gold medalist, Arizona Coyote stalwart, Mr. Lawson Krause. Lawson, you down the line? Yep, I got you here loud and clear. Awesome. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's nice to join you guys. Yeah, so listen, Lawson, um, I, I, I'm I'm not going to lie. I, we had to look up Mount Bridges uh, out in a small town of London. How does a kid like you get noticed out in a small town, uh, you know, as you were just getting before you got drafted by Kingston? But uh, how do you get noticed out there uh, being in such a small town? Yeah, it's funny you ask. Um, so Mount Bridges growing up there. Um, you know, when I was living there, when I was a kid, there was probably about a thousand people in our town. Um, and I mean, I lived on a, a very nice street. We had a lot of young neighbors and we were always out uh, playing, you know, road hockey, um, backyard, outdoor rinks in the wintertime. And um, I actually started my playing career there and playing for the Mount Bridges Cougars. And then um, once I got old enough, my dad put me in the AAA program, which was Elgin Middlesex Chiefs. And that's kind of just the surrounding area of London. And um, it's funny, we usually only get about uh, 30 kids coming out to camp. And um, whereas you go to like a London training camp, they get 60 to 100 kids. So it's kind of slim pickings. But, um, you know, we always had a really good team there. And, um, you know, I just played, like I said, played there for uh, quick math, six, seven years, um, and then got drafted to Kingston. So, 
Yeah, it was just to answer your question. Um, it was a great little hockey town to grow up in. Um, growing up there, we had uh, Cody McCormick. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with him, but um, yep. he he played some games with uh, Colorado, Buffalo, uh, more of the enforcer type of guy. So um, it was kind of cool, you know, just being a, a kid in Ontario and Canada. Um, you know, you grow up wanting to play in the NHL, and um, obviously very lucky, lucky and fortunate for you know that to to come true for myself. That's awesome. Awesome. So we'll, we'll transition you now. Uh, you get drafted fifth overall in the OHL draft to, uh, to Kingston and you, you go play with the likes of Sam Bennett and Spencer Watson and our uh, local town boy, uh, Lucas Parasini, <laughs> who we know from, uh, from the golf course. Um, what was it like out there? Were, were you the big man on campus? Would, uh, how was your time in Kingston? The time there was awesome, man. And um, I remember going through that, uh, the entire draft process and, um, when you when you're coming out of your minor midget year, you kind of go do some. There's teams that w- are thinking about drafting you, um, so I had a bunch on the list, obviously. But uh, I ended up going to tour Kitchener, um, Kingston, um, and it was funny how it panned out. My sister actually committed to um, to Queens, the, the university there in Kingston, and um, that year before I got drafted, so we ended up going to Kingston together. And um, I think it was great for my parents. You know, it was killing two birds with one stone. They could make the trip and see us both and uh playing in Kingston was awesome I had incredible billets I actually lived with Sam Bennett for my for my career there and um you know it was great uh we had a lot of uh really good players come through while while I was there like you said Bennett McEwen Watson um you know Parasini um you know having Dougie Gilmore as our GM that was a pretty cool and uh you know just getting to chat with him around the around the rink and see him um here and there, it was awesome. Well, and then 2015-16, if I recall, that was uh, that would have been a, a pretty special year for you guys. You guys, I think, uh, finished with 97 points, and you, you only had a first-round win, but fell a little short in the playoffs. But that, I believe, was the same year you went off to uh, uh, to the World Juniors, correct? Uh, yeah, yeah, that would have been the same year, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So 2015, you're heading off to the World Juniors, and. What kind of experience would that would have been? That's, uh, you know what, uh, winning a gold medal for Team Canada. You get to play with McDavid and Reinhardt and Max Dolby mm-hmm. and company. Yeah, that must have been pretty special. Yeah, that was very special. And um, it's actually a funny story. I didn't really, you know, I was actually an underager in that tournament, myself and McDavid. And, you know, I didn't really think much of it. We had what's called like the the prospect games and stuff like that. Um happened throughout the year and actually someone got sick last minute so they were like okay it's in Kingston like let's try and get a Kingston player here so they asked me to play I had a really good game and obviously opened some eyes and ended up getting uh, an invite out to the training camp and um, obviously going into that training camp I was very nervous being an underager and um, looking over and seeing the only other underager is Connor McDavid and um, I remember when I first got there we had uh, our individual meetings right when we pulled up to the hotel and they, they were pretty honest with me. They said, listen, like, we like the way that you play. We don't care that you're an underager. We just want you to come out here and try your best. Don't think anything of it. And, you know, that's what I did. I went out there and I worked hard just like I always do the way I was raised. And um, I was fortunate enough to get uh, a very lucky call after our final exhibition game. And they gave me the, the, the good news. And, um, you know, the rest was history. Playing in Toronto, Montreal was incredible. The, uh, the atmosphere in the rink. And um, I still remember when we won – when we won that gold medal in Toronto, the rink just like exploded and it was kind of just the beginning of it. Right. You're like, Holy crap, there's 15 to whatever, 18,000, however many ACC holds that were held at the time. And 
um, you know, it, it was pretty crazy. I remember standing standing there on the blue line, all all smiles after we won, and um, you know, gold medal around the neck, watching the the banner go up, and um, that was a pretty special time. That's so cool. Yeah, and they can never take that away from your your memories and your your heart for sure. Who was who was a leader in that room? Who was the one who uh, would speak up? Uh, when the time came and the adversity came in that tournament, because you guys did face some adversity and, you know, it wasn't a walk in the cake. You guys had to fight hard for that gold medal. Uh, but who was the leader? I know Lazar was the captain, but who was the, you know, give us one behind the scenes guy that wasn't, a, was willing to speak up and, and get down into everybody and, and hold everybody accountable. Uh, looking back, it's, it's actually really tough to to pick one, one player. You know, we had so many great players on that team, like Max Domi, Anthony Duclair, um, Nick Patan, like we had so many elite stars um, and, you know, it, it's tough in those short term um, tournaments, you know, you're only playing what I think it's what seven games maybe and a couple yeah. exhibition games. So, um, you know, everyone's it's the top of the class, right? So everyone knows how to conduct themselves. Everyone knows how to prepare. Everyone knows how to do that. I would say, um, actually, the biggest person that probably helped motivate our team would have been our head coach. And um, Benoit was awesome. He's, you know, he came in and he motivated us. And, you know, he didn't really have to push us too hard because we're all young, you know, kids representing our country, dreamed of doing that. And, um, you know, when you have a stage like Toronto and Montreal, it's so easy to get amped up for the games and just go out there and, you know, it's just – it's like a kid again. You're playing hockey when you're real, uh, really young, just having fun with it, and um, awesome experience, like you guys said. Yeah. So, you know, what was that experience like for you? Was that were you did the nerves get fired up and the butterflies get in the tummy uh, during those games? Because you know, you you had your typical Kingston Friday night games, Saturday night games, where the you know the barn would be busy. But was that the first time for you where you were out there in front of fifteen, eighteen thousand people, and were you kind of nervous about that or did you just feel at home because this is something that you've been training for your whole life uh no I was I, I mean I was nervous but I, I think it would be good nerves you know um when you're playing in a, a tournament like that you have more than just um the people that are watching you there in the arena cheering you on you have your entire country right you know growing up as a kid everyone was watching world juniors on tv families you know people travel in um so just like the support that we received from not only the people in the arena, but just like fans all over Canada was crazy. And that was kind of like the first minute where I realized, holy smokes, like this is a completely different level than junior hockey where you're used to seeing, you know, anywhere from three to 8,000 people in the stands. And, um, you know, I would argue that 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 time in Toronto, Montreal, the crowds there have been up there with some of the best NHL rinks I've played in. It It was truly special and obviously i'm very honored to have participated in that tournament and not only participated but went on to win so um like you guys said that's a that's a memory that i'll be able to cherish forever and it's actually kind of nice talking about it it's one of those things that kind of just slips back into the back of your brain and you don't really think about it here and there but um when you do get talking about it like i can feel like my my heart rate's revving right up right now like it it's it's hard to put into words what, what that tournament and you know the feelings that we were going through Love it. Happy to happy to bring back some great memories. Uh, I know I went to a couple games. Uh, we didn't get to see Canada in the, in the early ones, but I know I went to a couple games, and I know how that building was rocking, even for for some of the other games. So, you know, and and then and then typically, what comes next after a successful OHL career in Kingston? You know, you played pretty much virtually almost every game um, with 
Kingston, and then uh, and then draft night comes. Um, walk us through that night. Uh, did you ever think that you were going to almost crack the top ten? I mean, you get drafted eleventh overall by the Florida Panthers. Uh, walk us through that night. Yeah, it was special. Um, I had pretty much my entire uh, family there. Um, you know, aunts, uncles, grandparents. Obviously, my parents, my siblings. Um, my billets came down and it was so special just to, you know, be able to celebrate that time as a family and friends. And um, I was fortunate. My, my draft was in Florida. Um, I eventually got drafted to Florida. So that was pretty cool. I think for the most part, they're probably when my name got called, they're probably like, who is this guy? But um, it was pretty cool to get drafted to the, you know, the hometown draft team. And um, I think, leading up to that draft, I, there was a bunch of rankings, you know, like Bob McKenzie, Craig Button, they all do those, those yep. pre-draft rankings. And yep. um, it's unavoidable. They're tagged and they tag you on Twitter. You see it everywhere. So I was actually ranked to go in the top 10. And um, I ended up sliding to 11, which in my mind was, was not a big deal. And people were making a big deal of it. And, you know, saying like, oh, why is this, why is this guy getting drafted 11th? Like he should be going even later than that. And it's like, listen, guys, I, you know, and then even, even before that, like I was ranked, like at one point I was ranked top five and they're like, why is this guy ranked this high? It's like, guys, I'm a, I'm a 17, 18 year old kid. I'm out here trying to, you know, play my best hockey and not really caring about what you guys think. It's just like, mm -hmm. it's the way the game goes. Like I go out there and play. I don't, put myself I don't rank myself I can't choose where I get drafted they that's they, right it's a team that believes in me and believes in what I can do as a player and you know down the line so um but like I said it was it was awesome to have all my friends and family there and um my my friends and family actually rented a house um in Florida so um after that draft night we all went back and uh met up at the house and had a couple drinks and just celebrated and um, uh, actually from, from there on out, it was a quick turnover. It was like right into your first development camp, which was like a week later. So I actually just yep. stayed in Florida and then, you know, went to development camp. Yeah. And so, so walk us through that next step in your, in your career loss and you, uh, you know, you, you get drafted by Florida and, and, and then it all kind of unfolds in front of you where uh, you get back down into the AHL, then you come back up, then the trade happens there. And, all of a sudden, before you know it, you're heading to to Arizona, where you've now found a nice little home. But um, that was kind of the first adversity that we'd seen in your career. Um, tell us how it came about for you, and and what did you feel like with the trade, with going to play, if, you know, having a little cup of coffee in the AHL. Tell us, you know, how it felt for you to to have that adversity, and what your thoughts were. Yeah, so I started off, um, like I said, that development camp, and then. That was just for like the top, like your your prospects, your draft picks, and like yep. you know some guys that haven't quite made the big league yet. Um, and then you go home, and then you train all summer, and then you're brought back in September or whatever it was for the the big boy training camp. And um, I actually spent uh, quite a, I want to say a couple months there with the team. Um, I never got a regular season game in with them. I played a few um, exhibition games that year. I actually ended up being one of the last cuts of that team. So then I went back to Kingston um, because I was too young to go to the HL. So I went back to Kingston, um, had, had another great year, had another opportunity to go represent my country in Finland uh, for the World Juniors again. Um, and then after that, once my season in Kingston ended, they called me up to go play in the HL for, they were Portland at the time. 
that was their their minor league affiliate. So I got uh, yep. two games in with them there. And I think for them, that was just kind of getting used to pro hockey, the lifestyle, the travel, you know, the preparation, um, because it is a huge jump from junior. And, um, you know, a lot of people don't don't really understand the fact that Every, everyone's a goal scorer in junior. Like everyone can get goals, everyone can get points. But as soon as you switch to the NHL level, it's like you have to be willing to do other things as well. And um, I think that was kind of just they wanted me to get a few games in to realize like how, w- what it's going to take for the next year. So I went on with that. And then the season ended. I went back home. And then it was pretty much a full summer of training. And then I believe it was August 25th. I got a call from the GM at, in Florida. It was like, nine o'clock in the morning like i just rolled out of bed i was getting ready to go to the gym i had a cup of coffee and i checked my phone and i see tom rose calling me and he's like hey uh i got some news and i was like hey what what would that be i thought it would be something about training camp you know like hey we want you here a little bit earlier because we've had an opportunity to get rid of dave boland's salary so we've sent dave boland and yourself in a package to arizona um so obviously i I didn't really know what to think at the time. My, my mind was racing. I was like, Oh my goodness. I'm, you know, it's not, it's not often that a first round picks gets traded like before he even plays a game for the organization. Right. So that's sure. right. L- yeah. like you guys said that that's adversity there in, in its finest. And um, I remember once that trade happened, I just, something switched in my brain and I was like, okay, hey, well, I'm going to prove them wrong for, for, you know, I don't want to say given up on me, but for, you know, getting rid of me and not really giving me an opportunity to prove them right for drafting me in the first place. So uh, it was more of a firecracker under my ass. And um, I went in that next year and then made made Arizona as a 19 year old. So it was um, very special. Uh, that's pretty sweet. And you know what, the last couple of years, you've been rocking it in Arizona. You know what you had in uh, in the 1819 season, I think you played almost every game. Uh, you played 81 games. What, what's our season these days? 82. 82. Yeah. 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 I and actually, then, uh, yeah, that, that, uh, that was my first year actually. And I played 81. I got scratched one time and it was, I think it was like our fifth game of the year in, uh, it was in Montreal. And that was oh. the only time that year I was scratched. So <laughs> But yeah, that was it was that was a good year. Yeah, and so tell us before we let you go. Like our, one of our our big things we wanted to talk about was you know this past season. Obviously, with everything going on in the world, and you know we had a we had a. It's funny enough, we had a, a local guy on last week. It was a different conversation. It was about basketball, but there he's playing over in Russia right now, and he's got COVID. So it's just crazy how this whole thing's coming together. But I want to talk a little bit about the the bubble for you and you guys were in it you guys uh sniffed in the 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 crazy playoff format this past season and what was it like being there i i I don't know you know did you end up having getting any family there or was it just you and were you on your own little island and how did it go yeah it was different um obviously playing high level hockey in the summer is is strange enough to to begin with and then doing it while you're pretty much in this isolated bubble not being able to leave um it was weird but I mean, it, it was pretty enjoyable for the most part. It was great to get, you know, back in that competitive mindset. Um, as athletes, we're, we're very competitive. And, um, you know, just to get that competitive nature back was, was awesome. But it was a little weird to begin with because when the season ended, it ended so abruptly and so fast that they didn't really tell us much. It just said, hey, look, look we're, we have plans to finish the season. We don't know when. We don't know what. We don't know how. So it was kind of that was I, I found that was the hardest part right when quarantine hit was 
um, you know, staying mentally engaged and staying in it, but it makes it so hard to train when you don't have a date. Um, you know, you, you amp up your training, um, based on when you're going to perform, right. Just like any other sport. So it was definitely difficult to, you know, train for that, but, uh, the NHL, they did a good job. They, they let us have a, like a two and a half week training camp. So we did that in Arizona and then we hopped on our, our chartered flight to Edmonton and began our bubble experience. And, um, like I said, the hockey was great. Uh, the NHL did an incredible job of making it a, a safe and playing environment for us. But at the same time, it was, um, I'm not gonna lie. It was tough. It was a, a mental battle. I'm sure if you talk to any other NHL player that was there in the bubble, they'll, they'll tell you the same thing. Those teams that stayed to the end, they're mentally strong. Um, you pretty much go from being in your hotel room to going to the rink to back to your hotel room. There wasn't really anything to do. Um, we had about four or five restaurants to eat from, which were all lobby bars. So I actually, I actually ate at the same restaurant for 16 nights in a row, which uh, I got, it <laughs> got to crazy. the point, it got to the point where they, started bringing in like daily specials and it was so to the point where i go in and order my appetizer and i just look at the 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 waiter and be like hey just bring me the special i don't even care what it is like i need something different here um but it was cool it was a mental battle like i said and um you know that was a once in a lifetime thing looking back on it now i you know i'll be able to tell my kids one day i played in that event you know so um everything kind of has that silver lining and that hidden message and um, you know, would I want to do that again? Probably not. Would I? Probably. But um, just hopefully we can kind of get back to a regular schedule here. It's going to be a little weird. You know, we still don't know when we're starting up. They've kind of given yeah, us a yeah. light, soft January 1st date, which we don't know if that's going to be a thing or not. But that's what kind of we're training on and planning for. So it's kind of that same thing. You just got to stay mentally strong. And um, I'm a big believer. You got to control what you can and just you know, don't worry about the rest. Well, I can tell you uh, across the board from a, a sports fan that, you know, you may not have heard this from others, but we certainly appreciate everybody in every professional sport because of what we're all going through, what you guys w- all went through, what we're still going through to have sports and to have something back in our, our lives. We're avid. Obviously we're doing this uh, fun podcast here and we're avid sports fans. We certainly appreciate the efforts you guys made to make it success. And yes, you're darn right. The NHL did a bang up job and it's kudos to them. You guys and the entire organizations across the NHL for putting together a a great thing to keep us uh, with a bit of belief. (laughs) Well, I appreciate that. I would uh... I don't, wouldn't really like to take the credit for that, but I mean, with considering yeah, you all guys the, showed all, up, you, you I, guys showed up and, and you know what? I know you're, you're making a living as well, Lawson, but you guys showed up, you did, you did what you were supposed to do. And you know what? A lot of people, there were people that started to back out and could you imagine if everybody did, uh, we wouldn't be having these conversations. So, so again, you know what? Uh, you're, you're just as much of a part of it as everybody else in all the organizations. So we as fans and everything certainly appreciate it. Well, thank you. That's very nice of you guys. Lawson, uh, a couple more questions and we'll let you go here. One, uh, just kind of in closing, um, what's next? What's next for Lawson Krause? You know, a, a kid that's 
you know, played at underage and, and played above his, his, uh, his age level, his whole, his whole life. Now into the NHL, find a nice little home with the Arizona Coyotes performing throughout his career. Uh, what are your individual goals? What are your team goals? What are you, what are you looking forward to, uh, as your career is just kind of finding its prime and, and, uh, finding its groove? Yeah, for our, personally, you know, I just want to keep, um, getting better, you know, um, it sounds so cliche, but, in this league, you do have to try and keep getting better each and every day. Um, you know, there's a million other kids like myself that, that would be itching at the bit to, you know, take a job from uh, from another player. So it's just about, you know, staying fine-tuned, um, working on the individual skills. Um, you know, personally, I want to uh, – next year, my goal is to try and get 20 goals on, on the uh, on the stat line there. And, um, you know, once I go from there, then it's 25 and then 30, you know. So it's – Never satisfied. I think that's probably the biggest thing. You can't be satisfied. You always have to be eager and hungry to work and get better and, and learn. Um, I think that's probably the biggest thing that, that I'm going to have to continue to do. And um, long-term goals, you know, I want to win a Stanley Cup. You take a look at, you know, all the, all the hard work that went in in this postseason and the bubbles and um, just seeing the excitement on the players' faces and when that cup's given out, you know, that's I think that would be such a special thing. Um, it would probably bring me back to the same memories as winning a, a World Junior Gold Medal. So in the long term, that, that's definitely my goal. And um, hopefully by the, the end of my career, I can at least have uh, my name on the cup once. Well, well we're pulling for you. And uh, we hope your dreams come true for sure, winning a Stanley Cup. And I uh, would wish you nothing but the, the best success. Before we let you go, uh, rumor has it you're, uh, you're a two handicap. So uh, <clears throat> On the golf course, I'm sure you remember because I know London has tons of great golf courses. We've been lucky enough, as if uh, you haven't been informed, we're both uh, local club professionals that think they're good. So we'd love to have you up for a golf game. Uh, how is your golf game? Are you as legit as a two as you're supposed to be, as you say? <laughs> Marley's got his eggs crossed there. I'm, <laughs> I'm kicking out about a five right now. So I'm okay. Okay. You know, there you go. A little better, but then average, but uh, still have a lot of improvement to, to happen there. Uh, actually, it's funny. This has been probably my best uh, year for golf. So I've had a couple of PBs. So, um, you know, golf, nice. golf's fun. It's, it's a way to, you know, get your game off of um, or get your mind off of hockey and, you know, just go out there and for work sure. on a different sport and, it's actually still it's 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 fun. I'm when I'm out there, we're so competitive with my buddies. We're, we're both members. My best buddy, we're members at the, the same club, so we're always competitive. We're betting money on the games, and uh, it's fun to kind of take that whole team. You know, you got to be so good. You got to be a good team player and kind of just focus on yourself. You know, so golf's a very good individual sport and very good mental sport. So, um, you know, I enjoy it. Um, nice. It's relaxing out there. You guys know it's it's the best. For sure. Well, if you're ever up in the Nobleton area, and if you ever do talk to uh, Mr. Parasini, yeah, we'd love to get you up to uh, our way, and we'll uh, we'll have a little game and a little contest as well. Sounds good, boys. Sounds good. Awesome. Right. Well, Lawson, we truly do appreciate you coming on. Um, it sounds like we're gonna have to have a Ginger and Dutch uh, golf tournament invitation. Yeah, we should. With all these guys, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we appreciate <laughs> you coming on. All the uh, all the best um, in whatever the NHL and the PA decide um, for their restart next season. We know you're going to be working hard and doing your thing, um, and we'll be rooting on that you hit that uh, 2-0 number on the uh, the goal side there, and the uh, the Coyotes can get into the playoffs and have uh, team success as well. Awesome. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. So, Dutch, great interview. Good kid. Down-to-earth guy. 
finding his way in the NHL. The numbers just seem to be getting better and better and better as the years go on. Uh, nice to see small town boy uh, making it in the NHL. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you very rarely see people from a small town like that and how they get noticed. It was nice to get some insight from uh, Lawson, and it was a good interview. Uh, we're going to have some more coming up. I know we're working hard to continue with some guests. So, uh, again, special thanks to, to Lawson for coming on, and uh, let's uh, let's take it to break. Awesome. Listeners out there, make sure you're following us on all of the social media outlets, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Ginger and Dutch One. We've got a huge uh, contest coming up. One of our sponsors has got a wicked prize for you guys, so make sure you're following us there. And uh, check us out as well for our newest Ginger and Dutch Challenge. we got to end these series now. We're tied 2-2-2. Two, two, two. Um, best of seven, so we'll be going at it. This one's going to be fun. We'll catch you on the flip side. It's not Starsky and Hutch. It's Ginger and Dutch. You're listening to another episode of Excellence by Ginger and Dutch. All right, listeners, hope you enjoyed a little segment there from Ginger and Dutch here on the Ginger and Dutch podcast. Let's get into the Blitz short and sweet this week. We've got NFL. We've got the Fall Classic MLB Baseball. And of course, ending it off with a little PGA Tour talk. CJ Cup, Zojo, Brooke Henderson, Mike Weir. Dutch, week six. I sucked again, man. I sucked <laughs> again. We're, we'll get to their picks, but uh, yeah, back to reality for sure. Uh, lots going on. Lots going on with uh, with week six. There was some crazy games. You really saw to, uh, some teams uh, take a tank. Uh, i.e. the Cleveland Browns, who we were all excited about. And uh, uh, the black and gold said, uh-uh, it, we're still the best team. Uh, obviously, Baltimore's going to have something to say about that. But uh, the Browns got thumped. Uh, the Vikings laid another goose egg. Aaron Rodgers, come on. come off. You come off of a bye week and you lay a stinker like that and make Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks look like they're, you know, back to the Super Bowl contenders that I said? What do you think? Yeah, you know what? Um, a lot to a lot to chew on there. So we'll start with the Cleveland Browns. Yep. Hey, Ben Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers are to me like Tom Brady and the Patriots were over my Bills. I think what's his record now? Twenty two and three or thirty two and three, um, playing the Cleveland Browns in Ben's career. Uh, absolutely unbelievable. Talk about domination, and they continued that domination. Over the Browns, and I think yeah, the cream's going to rise to the top. The Browns will slow down a little bit here. They do have a real easy schedule, yep. But um, that may get them to nine or ten wins where we thought they would, and they may sneak into that last playoff spot. Yep. But they're not going to be a top-notch contender. This yep. division's down to, uh, like you said, the black and gold, and the purple, and uh, the purple, and uh, whatever color you want, whatever you want, purple and black, <laughs> yeah. whatever you yeah. want for those Baltimore Ravens, but. Yeah. Uh, the Vikings and the Houston Texans. I've been hanging on to you. I've been trying. You can't I've been anymore. trying. I've been getting heat from it from a few dif- dis- different listeners yelling at me. Hey, they they got no chance. Uh, it's done. They both, have no both chance. Both one Kirk and five. Cousins, it's over. Kirk Cousins is just not worth any of that money. Thank goodness we're done after this year, and we don't have to. We can cut ties. Another three picks this week. Uh, it just. 
extreme disappointment. There was a bright spot, uh, you know, Mr. Jefferson, who you and I have off the air uh, have argued about. Uh, you start to look at his stats compared to a young Randy Moss's stats in these first few weeks, and they're arguably right up there. I know the boys in our uh, in our big WhatsApp chat uh, in our Survivor Fantasy were going on about it as well, and. Um, Come on, he had an outstanding game, and I know it was garbage time a little bit of it, but um, that's the only bright spot with with uh, with Minnesota. What about what about your Aaron Rodgers? What about the, the the Green Bay Packers laying a big stinker? Yeah, they came out hot, up ten nothing. You thought you know this is exactly what the, you thought the game was going to be, and then boom, back to back pick sixes totally changes the game, um, and a little bit of being exposed by those Green Bay Packers and not having the the weapons to be able to climb back into that game once they fell down by one and two scores. Yeah. Uh, not the same Packers and, and not that same explosiveness that we've seen in other years where they've been able to fall down by you know, 10, 14 points and climb back right into the game in a blink of an eye. I just don't think that's the Packers anymore. Yeah. I don't think that's Aaron Rodgers. And I think that's why they drafted that quarterback and uh, to back him up. And I think it's it, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Packers little bit of an easy division, so I think they're still going to obviously make the playoffs, but uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can make a deep playoff run because they'll need to rely on that defense for sure because that offense is just not the same as it was in other years. Yeah, and you know, there's another big team in the NFC that's uh, that's woken up and uh, they're starting to get healthy, and I know we're, uh, we're big on believing that the San Francisco 49ers are starting to put things together huge division game and the evening game taking down the rams and 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 you said it off air they're still the team to beat you know when when they're healthy and if they can continue to get healthy they they put on a fantastic performance coaching is key they've got it dialed in and and they're they look to be pushing making a big push here in these next few weeks yeah and it's you know what, as, as much as we love these, we fall in love with our fantasy performers and, you know, the running backs and the tight ends and the wide receivers and the Jeffersons and the Julio Joneses of the world, um, football's a simple game. It really, truly is, and it's one up front. You look at even the Chiefs and the Bills this week, they just got manhandled up front. And how many times did you see yep. it? It, it, it when the Rams went to the Super Bowl? What was their, their big thing? They ran out of 11 personnel. And they ran, 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 ran the football and play actioned off of it. They won up front. Donald and the team and the crew. Dante Fowler when he was running good. They won up front. Yep. Kansas City Chiefs won up front. The San Francisco 49ers, there's no better team in the league that's built up front. John Lynch has built that team with the offensive and defensive line in mind. When he started to put that team together, that's the first spot he looked to, right? And you win with the big uglies. And... Once they get healthy up front and, and some of these playmakers start to come back, the Debo Samuels, Brendan Ayuk's coming out, great little draft pick there late in the uh, the first round. Yeah, they did have a big injury, though, again, with uh, Mostard. He's, uh, he might be out for a while again. He re-injured himself. I believe it was a re-injury. I, I could be wrong, but I believe he did. And uh, so he's... So yeah, the, the, he's on the IR now. Yeah, yeah. But so, it's not going to matter. It's yeah. not going to matter who's running for these guys. It's not going to matter. When when the running back's not getting touched for three or four yards and all he's got to do is fall forward for a yard and he can still pick up five yards, it's not going to matter who it is. Yeah. Uh, when your offensive line and defensive lines are dominant like that, they're as good as anybody. The big game yet that we all want to see is the rematch. You know, the stop at the goal line like it was last year is, is the, the Seattle Seahawks and the 49ers yep. run healthy. Yep. That's the matchup we want to see. 
those are still to me the top two teams in the uh, in the NFC, and uh, I think we're going to get it down the road here. Yeah. Uh, what about the big breaking news today? The big breaking news today: the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, you know what I I had on my commotion. I had two teams that caused a little commotion this week in the NFL, and and the first team, and I'll get to your Miami Dolphins and your Tua Tungavailoa and your Fitz Magic. But I want to start with a team that was playing for their coach's job this week. They came out, dominating performance. And you know what? As you, as you know, I like to hang on to these teams for as long as I can. Yeah. And I'm hanging on to the Detroit Lions. Two and three now, off of the bye week. They've got an easy schedule here, Dutch. they got the Falcons, Colts, your Vikings who are in shambles, Washington football team, Carolina, Houston. Combined record of those, two, those teams in the next six weeks is 11 and 25. That's funny though. This, I, this Lions team can make a run. DeAndre Swift is going to be the star coming out party for my boy Swifty. Just like I told all the Ginger and Dutch listeners when we did our uh, NFC North preview, look out for those Lions. <laughs> now to your Dol- the Dolphins. I know you got something to say about it. Let's hear it. Well, I, I want to argue with it because I, I actually, and I know a couple people are have already texted me today to see if we were going to talk about this, and they're in, we were talking about it, but when I started to do it a little bit deeper, it's the right decision. It's the right decision. It's time right now. You didn't draft Tua fifth overall in the league. You, you didn't draft him to sit on the bench for Fitzmagic, a career just a bit better than 500. The guy is not having a great season to start. If you look at his numbers, he's only averaging 255 yards a game. He's thrown 10 TDs, 7 picks. It's terrible. He's not doing that well at all. And you know what? If you look at his career, his entire career, there's a reason why he's been on 35 teams. <laughs> I know it's not that many, but his career passer rate is only 81.7, okay? And the guy's barely thrown. He's thrown 200 and change touchdowns to 166 picks, okay? He's, he's a journeyman. He's a journeyman. No doubt. He saved his pur- purpose. He, he made his little run. He's got them at 3-3. Three and three. He's a, he, he, They've let Tua watch six games. Got him in for a cup of coffee there, uh, Tua, in the last game when they beat the, 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 the lowly Jets, Jets 24-0. He came in for a couple drives, threw two passes, yada, yada, yada. But now has a full week to prepare. Fitzpatrick, I don't know if he spoke up and said, yeah, go ahead, give it to him. But in any event, I think it's the right move. I think you're crazy. This is the best record this team's had in four, four and a half, five years now. Okay, he, Brian, Brian Flores has brought all these veterans in, some of his, his old veterans from the, from the Patriots, and you're just going to throw Fitzpatrick to the weeds. They play hard for Fitzpatrick. This guy is blood, sweat, and tears for this team sure, for the last two years. Sure, but you can't keep turning the ball over. He's had seven interceptions in six games against, look who they've played. Besides, they've had two tough opponents, and you can't keep throwing picks. You're going to get your ass sat on the bench like he has all his career. So you're going to turn to somebody that you don't even know what you're going to get. Yeah, because... Number, and number one, what I want to see is is what, what type of offense are they going to run with Tua? Because the offense that Ryan Fitzpatrick running is going to be totally different that than I, the offense that, I can't that, argue. that that Tua is going to have to run here. Right, I can't so argue So you're going to have to pivot here real fast in, in now less than T-minus two weeks when Aaron Donald and that vaunted defensive line of the Los Angeles Rams comes to town. And Tua Tungavailoa better buckle that hip strap up. 
Because that injury might just be reoccur when well, Aaron Donald just hops on your back and takes you for a ride okay, and down they, to the grass. And if that reoccurs, then they can go back to Fitzmagic. That there's there's no, fine with that. But the thing is, what listen, are we playing musical chairs? No, this is an NFL football team. They're three and three. They're three and three. They're ahead of the New England Patriots. Come on now. But they're three and three, Ginge. They're three and three, and the Dolphins. And they're a game behind the Buffalo Bills for the AFC lead. And they could care less about it. And because... you're gonna go throw a rookie quarterback in there right now in the most important part of the season? Yes. When you look at the when you look at their their schedule. Correct. I know their schedule. That's right. The next five games combined record eleven and seventeen. You got the Rams, Cardinals, Chargers. Broncos and Jets. It's time to make a run. It's time for Fitz Magic to come no to chance, town. No chance, man. And then you got Chiefs, Patriots, Raiders, and at Bills. They got even if they finish eight and eight, this isn't a team that's going to win a playoff game. So why not get them going right now and give them that? Give them the experience with Fitz Magic right there. Give them that. You know that. You know Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to help. Coach Tua. That's the whole purpose of this project. That's why they're making the change because at three and three, they know they're not Super Bowl contenders. They're barely playoff contenders. That's why they're making the change. So, so talk to me about this then. So they make the change. Come off the bye week. Boom. Rams come to town. You lose. Next week, Cardinals come to town. They're rolling. Dominated the Cowboys last night on Monday Night Football. They're three and five. What are you going back to Fitzy now? No, no, you're gonna you're gonna keep two in there unless he's getting beat up. Unless he's getting beat up, because if you look at it, uh, Fitz, Fitzpatrick sacks. He's not getting sacked a lot. He's just making a lot of mistakes. And the and and two is gonna be the you know he's gonna be your your want your you want to be Kyler Murray's your Josh Allen runs all these guys. They, they have the same pedigree. So. It's let's test it out. You might as well test out the the hip. That's all I got to say about that. But I I do think that it was the uh, whether it's the right or wrong decision. Um, I'm okay with the decision. I'm okay with the decision, and I'm sure Fitzpatrick is okay with the decision because he knows he's not winning the Super Bowl in his lifetime. Period. Not with the Dolphins. No. That's right. So before we uh, get to our picks and 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 we've got some great gingers garbage today. Um, I I have to I have to talk real quickly about the new. NFC North leaders because I never thought they were for real but they're starting to show up like they did two years ago and that's the Chicago Bears the Bears Nick Foles is doing a darn good job he's starting to figure out the offense he's starting to get a little bit of repetition with the boys and they're starting to come around we already already know their stout defense the Chicago Bears are for real and and they are they 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 have an easy schedule oh, with the Lions. No, no, they come do. On. With the Lions oh, twice, with the goodness. Vikings twice now. It, this is a this good divisional matchups, and yeah, they got yeah. So they're on pace. They're on pace for like a twelve and four season right now. And and if you look at their schedule, come on, the they're, Bears are who we thought they were. That's what we always say, but we're, we're we're wrong. I think they're. I think they've got a chance this this year to to do something. You think they're actually going to win play, playoff games playing like this? With a defense, you always tell me defense wins Super Bowls. So yeah, yes. you're damn right. I think yes, they but can. But the quarterback's got to get you to the Super Bowl. And Nick Foles has won a Super Bowl. Oh, oh. Nick, Nick Foles won a Super Bowl off the back of Carson Wentz, and you know that better than yeah, anybody. But, but so what? He won. He won a Super. He Bowl. He won one football game. He, he won. A, he come on. He won more than one football he did game. Win that. He beat he the Bulls. Well, he won Vikings. a couple. I'll give you right? that. I'll yes. give you that. Right. But come on, this offense needs to show us more than what they have. You cannot rely. You you're not going to hold. You're not going to hold everybody to 16 points a week. Right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Forget division opponents, and you, you and this is what you got. You've got Jacksonville. Yeah, that's a win. You've got home to Houston. Tough matchup, but yep. you, okay. 
You've got at Tennessee. We know that's a tough game. You've got home to the Saints. Tough game. That's a that's a big boy matchup, right? That's and then you've got at the Rams this week on Monday Night Football. That's a big. This is a big big tell test on game. Monday night. Yeah, and we're gonna have fun with our picks this week because because I know I'm going taking the plus five and a half because I cannot believe that the five and one Chicago Bears are plus five and a half against the Rams. Well, we'll have to wait see what our picks are. I think it's time for some Ginger's Garbage because this this hits home for you. Before we do the picks, let's do some Ginger's Garbage because I know you're pissed off with Buffalo. And we're not talking Buffalo Bills. We're talking the Pagula family. So, Ginger, I think it's time, buddy. Time to throw out the trash. Welcome to Ginger's Garbage. Well, I got an axe to grind and I'm pissed off and don't. Piss me off. Terry, Kim Pagula, absolute joke. Three, four years ago, you shunned the Bills Mafia. All of the charity work in the Buffalo community that they've done, everything for all the years, supporting your teams, left, right, and center, and you shun them when they want to tie to you. And now you go ahead when the time is right and you need a quick extra buck or two during the pandemic. And you want to go ahead and trademark Bill's Mafia like it's yours and make a few bucks off of it? Because that's what you're going to do. You're going to sell merchandise and you're going to make money. I respect the business side of it, but that's absolute horse shit. Bill's Mafia is worth more than that. The Bill's Mafia should give you absolutely no respect moving forward. I hope they shun you like you shun them. Terry and Kim Pergula, you're this week's Ginger's Garbage. All right, Dutch. Uh, now that I got that off my um, Woo! back, that, Woo! Was, that was a Woo! little heated. That I was the best one yet. You know what? It was. And you know what? I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I agree with you. They've done a ton of a ton of stuff. Uh, they're not just smashing tables and chairs and breaking people's uh, um, tailgate parties up. They do a lot of good stuff. They're one of the best tailgaters in the league, if not the most. And I know it because I've been to many, many, as we've talked before. I've been to 17 different stadiums. You've, you're on your way towards that. So we've been seeing it. Bill's Mafia all the way. Let's do it. Let's get into our picks. Well, uh, this week's picks, i got to get rolling. Oh, you're I'm still hot. I'm still hot. You're Fourth. a half a game lead on me. I can't believe it. I have three weeks in a row I have sucked out. So, uh, yeah, uh, what are we at here? Nine and nine for uh, for Dutch. And then nine, eight, and one for Ginger. Four weeks in a row. Two and one. Eight and four in the last four weeks. I'll keep rolling. You're starting. You're All right. starting. So, just like I said, causing commotion. And I'm taking the points. With the Detroit Lions playing the Atlanta Falcons, plus two and a half. I'm taking the Lions. I don't think the Falcons can stop that offense. I think they're going to continue to roll with on Johnson, DeAndre Swift, old man Adrian Peterson, Matthew Stafford on the play action. I think Patricia found a little bit of a defensive system that can work. And I'm taking the points this week. With my Detroit Lions. All right. But what do we got here? What, what is that? It was, they're they're uh, plus what? Plus two and a half. Yep. Okay. I am taking the hot team that dismantled the Green Bay Packers last week. And I'm taking those Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday night football, I believe. Minus three points. Gotta like it. I think the Bucs have found their groove. I think the defense has started to show up. And um, I think it's a deadly combination with Tom Brady. 
throwing the football and managing the football game with that defense. It feels a lot like uh, the old school cover two Tampa Bay Bucks with Warren Sapp and Brad Johnson and everybody uh, doing their thing. So I'm taking the Bucks minus three and a half on Sunday night football. All right. And as much as I ripped on Nick's Foles and your Chicago Bears, too many points. Plus six, I found it at early on today. Yep, I got it at plus five and a half, so we can agree on either one, whichever you want. Yep, and I'm taking the, the Bears defense is just too good. Monday Night Football versus the Rams. I found it at plus six, so we'll take it at plus six. I'm sure you'll probably want that extra half point, too. I'll take the extra half point. Yeah, uh, it still says plus six on the one line I'm looking at right now. So, uh, plus six, Chicago Bears. Those are my three picks of the week. That line's going to come down. That that line might be plus four and a half by game time. So yeah. So I like your picks. I like your picks. I'm staying away from it. I was uh, I was looking at Atlanta on the hot pick, but I'm staying away from that. I'm actually going to go to a place where I didn't think I was going to go. But let's start with an easy one. Um, I talked about it. I talked about the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, they are on the road to a New England Patriots team that laid a big dud. And if the Denver Broncos can shut down the the New England. Patriot, Cam Newton, COVID or not COVID, offense. I'll take the plus two and a half points and I'll take the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, they're starting to make that turn. This is a big game for them. I got the San Francisco 49ers winning that, winning that game outright, so I'll take the two and a half points. On to the Chicago Bears and the Los Angeles Rams game. I know I'm switching to Monday night, but that's okay. I've got the Bears as well, plus six. Listen, the the the, uh, the Rams lost a, a tough division game. I know they're going to be uh, there to bounce back, but and just you know what? I just can't see uh, I just can't see them losing by um, by more than a field goal. I, I really can't see them losing by more than a field goal. It just makes no sense. Uh, the line is a little skewed, and I think it's going to come down. Chicago Bears plus five. Yeah, and the Rams the Rams just haven't beat anybody by they a have, lot of points. They've they won have, a lot of close games. So. Yep, yep. The game of the week. I'm going there. You're going there? The Tennessee Titans, 5-0 and against the Pittsburgh Steelers, 5-0. and Tennessee came off last week. You know what happened. They were in a big uh, barn burner. You've got the Pittsburgh Steelers blowing out the Cleveland Browns. Something's got to give. And I'm going... With the Tennessee Titans. Oh! I'm going with the Tennessee Ryan Titans. Tannehill. I'm taking plus two. The Titans, I think they've got it rolling. It's going to be a last possession game. It's going to be tooth and nail. It's going to be one through the trenches. Derrick Henry's got that train rolling. We're taking the Tennessee Titans over the Pittsburgh Steelers. And those are my picks. Yeah, and that uh, 100% is the game of the week. What an absolute... You want to talk about winning and losing a game in the trenches? Just watch about this football game, folks. Tennessee and uh, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's played this style. Um, three yards in a cloud of dust. Rough them, bang them up uh, for years. And with King Henry and that vicious offensive line. I know they lost Taylor Luan yep. last week to a, um, a torn ACL. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully on the mend and can get back next season. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited for this game as well. And I don't know. I think I'm, I'm going black and gold on that one, Dutch. But, yep. uh, hey. Yep. All right, the fall classic falls here. Everybody's getting their fall golf in. The leaves are falling. Um, modified Halloween is around the corner, and so is World Series baseball. And uh, you didn't get your wish, wish Dutch. The Dodgers uh, came back down three one, 
and uh, Cody Bellinger decided to uh, hit a dinger. You know, it, it, it irks me. We, we talk about it, and I even listened to the guys this morning talking about it. Um, you know, you got David versus Goliath, right? You got a $28 million payroll in the Tampa Bay Rays, and then you got Los Angeles at $200 million. I know a lot of people hate L.A. because of that. Well, it's not their fault. Listen, this is Major League Baseball, and Major League Baseball has got the own mess to clean up. But how do you figure that out? You got don't, da- don't like, hate the player. No, you can't. Hate the game. You can't hate don't the hate player. Hate the player. Hate the you, game. You, you can't exactly. Um, listen, the, the the top two teams are in the in the in the championship. There's nothing wrong with that. You got the top two teams this year in the championship. I think the pressure is always on the big money. So the pressure is clearly on the Los Angeles Dodgers. This is three or four years in a row now right. that they've been there. You got a big, big, huge game one. I know you're about to throw some stuff out with Kersh- uh, with uh, Clayton Kershaw. You got Glasnow on the mound against Kershaw. Arguably, they're the two aces of the team. Although Blake Snell might have something to say about it, but can he finally can he finally um, take care of business in Clayton Kershaw? He's going to get two, maybe three games out of this series. Yeah, you know what? He's had a great playoffs. Like he's he's yes, two and one this he's, year. He's done well. He's done well, and you know what? I'm always a, a guy that that wants to stick up for people and and kind of shut down those knocks and and you know what I I'm gonna throw some stuff out there to help Kershaw out and shut that down. I'm tired of people knocking him. When you when you go back and you look at some of the best pitchers in the history of baseball, winning in the playoffs is tough. Mm-hmm. It's not an easy feat. This is the best of the best of that year on the teams. Teams are desperate. Teams are playing baseball different. It's played differently in September and October. Teams are sack bunting. They're sack flying. They're manifesting runs. And they're playing baseball the old traditional way. And it gets tough. Guys are not swinging as loosely as they usually do. They're taking an extra pitch or two. They're fighting for those at-bats. They're fouling them off. Look at Bellinger the other night. What a great at-bat that was. Down one, two. Fouls off three, four pitches and then goes yard to win the game. Send yeah. it to the World Series. But I do so, feel that pressure, though. I do feel that the, the 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 pressure with the big money guys, a guy like Kershaw on that, you know, especially before when the, you've got these these home, all the big barns full, you know, there's pressure to perform. You're you're their top guy. You're supposed to go out there and pitch one, two, three, four hits and, and go seven innings and, and give up maybe one run max. So it is tough. You know what, though? What might be a big difference maker on is the flip side? Is that he's not playing at home. He's not, but I'm going to flip it back. I, I know I sound contradictive here, but there is fans in the stands because they're playing down in Texas. There is going to be fans in the stand. I think they're expecting about 25,000 people. You know where the money's coming from. You know it's going to be the people traveling from L.A. So I think that every game, even though even though they go 1-2 home and then 3-4-5 away, vice versa, yeah. I think it's going to be pro-L.A. the whole the entire series. So no doubt, no doubt. Right? So the only way that I see Tampa Bay pulling this off is if they can keep these games close and 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 get through the starting pitchers and if you can get to 7 8 9 one run ball games, I think they've got a chance because I like their their uh, their back half. I like their bullpen better than LA. Um yeah, the Dodgers bullpen is a stone cold mess. We know that. They yeah. they Still have not yet to figure out um, yeah. the, the closing position. And, you know, we're in the World Series now, and we've played 60 games plus the playoffs here. So yeah. um, there's no doubt that the Rays, I think, have the edge, other than Kershaw and Snell and, and Glasnow. Um, I still think they have the edge starting pitching and in the bullpen. It's just, can you control these big bats of yeah. uh, Los Angeles? Yeah. 
Yeah. That'll be the, the key thing. It'll but. be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, we're a couple hours away, and we'll, uh, you know what, when this airs tomorrow, we'll uh, we'll know who's won game one for sure. Yeah, and I'm just going to throw out a couple things there. Clemens, 12-8 and eight pitcher all-time in playoffs. Nolan Ryan, 2-2 two and two all-time in the playoffs. Greg Maddox, 11-14 and 14 in the playoffs. Yep. Right? So there's some good pitchers that just weren't able to take it to that same level um, in the playoffs, and it's tough. And, and I hope Kershaw wins tonight. It'll get him back to 500. This is his 36th playoff start. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll be 12-12. and 12. ERA's a bit high at 4.31, but, you know, the whip's still hanging around one. So we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that he can have a good performance, and whether win or lose, I'm not tied to either of these teams. But I'm rooting for Kershaw. Kershaw. I just want him yeah. to have a good outing and, and, uh, and see two good pitchers go out of here tonight and have a good ball game. You got it. PGA Tour, CJ Cup, great golf course, phenomenal. What a what an architectural design for those that haven't seen it out there. Uh, go Google or do a Google Maps of that golf course. You would never know it's in Vegas at Shadow Creek. Um, absolutely phenomenal. Um, not quite what we wanted. We had some solid picks, Dutch. We had uh, two. Uh, Tied for 12 finishes and two tied for 20th finishes. So we were solid, but we didn't uh, get into the money like we've been getting into. But uh, still keeping the roll going. We didn't have any bust outs. So we yeah, were, it was a we relatively, un, not an unknown, but uh, Jason Kokrak winning at minus 20. which uh, And, uh, you know, it was Shofley's tournament for a while to win, but... Uh, he, he Kokrak ended up prevailing. There were some some crazy scores for a little bit. Again, twenty under is a is a is a high number. So, um, yeah, we didn't get to our top five this week. That's the first time in about five weeks that we haven't had a had one in the top five ish. Um, you know, and we haven't had a winner for a few weeks. So I think it's time to uh, to pick a winner. We got this week is the Zozo Championship at Sherwood Sherwood, Sherwood Country famous Club. golf course. Uh, you've got finally uh, Tiger back in the field and. You know, I got some interesting little tidbits about this. So you know that, uh, and I and I had to look this up. Obviously, I'm not just you know, I'm not. I don't have a wealth of too much knowledge here. But um, the opening helicopter scene from Mash was at Sherwood Golf and Country Club. Was it? Yeah, and Dukes of Hazard used to do their uh, their all their car scenes before as a golf course at that very location. So it's famous for a lot of things. It's really cool. I think even Robin Hood did a, their movie there. I know Sherwood, but Robin Hood did some stuff there as well. So it's a famous, famous, famous. Tons of famous actors that have been uh, members there over the years. Um, I could just name them, but there's there's too many to name. So uh, it's a cool golf course. Um, I don't have a. I got a sleeper, but you're gonna make fun of my sleeper. But I'm ready for it. So you want to go first, or what do we got? Sure, I'll kick us off here, and I'll uh, start from the bottom. Now we here with a sleeper pick of the week. And that's uh, Joaquim Nyman. Okay. I picked him before many uh, many weeks back. Sixth at the CJ Cup, 13th at the Shriners. Um, tied 23rd at the U.S. Open uh, a few weeks back. Playing solid golf. Ready to go in the field. Nice little sleeper pick with Joaquin Nyman. My rock steady top 10 pick of the week. This guy's a human ATM out on the uh, the PGA Tour. Tied for 12th last week at the CJ Cup. Tied for 13th at the U.S. Open. And that is Victor Hovland. Yeah. Victor Hovland. Yeah, I was gonna, he was on my radar. Yep. So he's my rock steady top 10 of the week if you're looking for a little guaranteed top 10. And my big gun, why not? Hey, shout out to Golf Canada, Mike Weir, for his uh, second solo second place finish this week uh, yep, on the PGA back. Champions uh, Tour. Well done, Weirzy. Good job. Also, Brooke Henderson, well done on the major. Their uh, Samsung PGA Championship uh, in upstate New York uh, at uh, Adirondack. But uh, 
Wearsley just couldn't handle the bombs on Sunday, and that's those bombs are being hit by Phil Mickelson. Team Callaway, you're going with Phil Mickelson in a tournament, really? I'm going Good with Phil you. Mickelson. You know what? You win a golf tournament, he seems confident. Um, let's see if he can contend. He's 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 doing well out on that Champions Tour, but he hasn't quite made the the jump to bring it back to the PGA Tour. Oh, our Callaway so, uh, rep will be very excited to hear that. He always picks uh, he always picks lefty. So good for you. I, I like it. I like it. I'm going out on a limb with Phil Mickelson. Um, I'm I'm keeping a straight analytics here. I, I we're West Coast here, and and I only got one. Well, I got a couple things to say here, but we're gonna go with the PGA Champion winner. No other than Colin Morikawa. Plays solid over there. It's his style of golf course. Same type of grass as TPC Harding Park. Ready to roll. I think you're going to see a big finish for him. My bounce back of the season of the week is going to be Matt Wolf. He finished almost dead last this week in the tournament. But he's played more rounds than anybody that I can even think about that has played Sherwood. He grew up there. He played high school there. Played college there. I think he's played over 1,500 rounds of golf there. There's no other reason why he won't finish in the top five. And my sleeper pick. Ha, ha, ha. My sleeper pick. I don't know. Last time he, last time I checked, when the Hero World Challenge was there for oh, 13 years. On. He won five times, had five second places. None other than Mr. Eldrick Woods. I haven't picked him yet this year, so folks, you can't be giving me the gears on it. But Tiger Woods is going to show up just in time to tune himself in for the Masters coming up in two weeks from now. Mr. Tiger Woods is my See, sleeper that, pick. That makes sense. That, that, that makes sense. But you cannot have Tiger Woods as a sleeper pick. He's Tiger done Woods nothing the most, yet. He's the most well-known golfer ever. Yeah, but he's my sleeper pick today because he's done nothing. He's done nothing since he's came back. Through that doesn't all mean he's a sleeper. A sleeper is, is somebody that our listeners don't know about. Every one of our listeners knows who Tiger Woods sure is. Do. Sure they do. Sure they do. But I need to bounce back. We need a win here. We, <laughs> we need a win here, man. All right. I'll give you that. All right. We need a win. Make we a few bucks out there, listeners. Enjoy our golf picks. Fun golf tournament this week. Fun golf course. Um, make sure you're tuning in. Make sure you're putting a few units down. Let's wrap this up, bud. All right. As we always do on the Ginger and Dutch podcast, we're going to turn to Dutch for some closing thoughts. I don't have any closing thoughts today. I knew you were going to do that. Uh, listen, another uh, another great episode. Special thanks to Lawson Kraus for coming on. Uh, it was a, a great interview. We appreciate the time. We appreciate all of your uh, everyone listening. Uh, let's see if we can break another record uh, with Lawson Kraus's interview. We hope you enjoyed the Ginger and Dutch podcast. All right, folks, as well, make sure you're going on to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, giving us a good five-star review. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Ginger and Dutch One for our weekly challenges. Big contest coming out, so make sure you're in tune with that. And we'll catch you and signing off for the Ginger and Dutch Podcast. I'm Ginger. And I'm Dutch.